You are listening to the Body Charge podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. Welcome. Today's podcast is how to solve digestive issues and reflux. If you've battled with digestive issues previously thought to be insurmountable, then take heart because there have been many discoveries in the area of gut health that can help you. Josh Deck is an ex-paramedic and holistic nutritionist. He specializes in gut health. He was able to help his clients who had complex digestive issues previously thought to be impossible to fix. He's been recruited to the Priority Health Academy as a medical lecturer, helping educate doctors in the holistic approach to gut health and complex digestive issues. So welcome. Um, welcome, Josh. I'm really happy to have you on board. This is a big issue for people uh, these mm -hmm. days more than ever, you know, with the onslaught of, you know, processed foods and chemical additives and you know lots of environmental influences and stress oh my mm -hmm. gosh the stress people and and immediately affects the gut doesn't it but for before we get into that I'd really love to know what led you into the study of gut health in the first place well that is a great question Sandy so it was kind of a series of at the time I thought was unfortunate events but it did happen to turn out to be a happy accident I used to be a paramedic. That was my first career, like you mentioned. And as I was transitioning careers away from EMS, I realized very quickly that a lot of the same people I pick up week over week over week were not getting better. And so our healthcare system really was just sick care. And so I ended up leaving that, looking for a more proactive option. And I ended up getting into the personal training industry. And I was there for you know several years. And one of the clients that I had met she was 57 when we started working together. She was on 17 pills of insulin for breakfast, nine pills of insulin for bed. She had hypertension or high blood pressure for your listeners. She had uh, borderline CHF or cardiac. Um, uh, she had a borderline congestive heart failure, rather. She was on the disability list at work, like you name it. She had everything was spiraling out of control. And she came to see me at 57. By the time she turned 59, after working on strength training and food and nutrition and watching her body heal itself at 59 years old, she broke her first world record as a weightlifter in the raw powerlifting division. And she kept breaking records all the way till she was 61, 62. And most of those records were just her own. And so it really opened the door for this amazing possibility that the body can heal itself if given the right circumstances. And so as my career started to develop, I started seeing more complex people and the online industry opened up more and more. I got more complex cases. I was dealing with PCOS. I was dealing with weight loss resistance, depression, anxiety, skin issues. And the common denominator across the board for everyone was the gut. And so the deeper and deeper I got into it, the more I realized this is where I'm going to go. And I started seeing more IBS clients. People came to see me for that. And then a couple of years back, my first inflammatory bowel disease came to see me. That's Crohn's and colitis. And we reversed that, which again, previously thought to be impossible. And every door just open and through a chain of events, I'm now here where I am doing what I'm doing. Yes, it can get very complex because there are multi layers to this issue, isn't there? So at the mm. very light end of the spectrum, um, I know that I've since childhood had um, constipation issues. Uh, I was born a, a little bit on the, on the lightweight side and my mother didn't breastfeed. Mm. Um, so, you know, I didn't have the best population of good bacteria <laughs> mm -hmm. from the beginning um, and I was always like you know a head shorter than all my peers and 
very small frame and a little person. And I had to learn the hard way. Um, but, we, you know, sometimes we we get lessons. They're not easy. They're, they're very difficult lessons, but it teaches us how to do something better. And so that's the way I look at it. I learned through experience that for me, uh, a lot more um, vegetables with uh, water and fiber. So the watery vegetables, particularly not so much the um, starchy vegetables worked very well for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and certain eating times during the day, funnily enough, um, to work together with my thyroid um, and the, the body uh, biorhythms. Uh, but, you know, I was able to do periodic cleansers using juice broth system. Um, and for me, that worked fine. You know, I dropped mm -hmm. a couple of kilos and then the next year, you know, I, I put a couple back on and then I did another broth fast. So that was a cleansing detox because the body stores waste products in the fat mm -hmm. um, uh, cells over time if you're not eliminating everything. So that's why for me, I needed to do those regular with, and I did the the the, uh, the coffee enemas, which mm. were great because when you're detoxing, you get very bad. I, well, I was getting very bad headaches, and as soon as I had the coffee enema, oh, all cleared, light as a feather. So, so for me, that was fine, and I kind of thought everyone, you know, who had these issues, we were all the same, and the same things work, but they don't. I had a friend who um, came to me for help. And she had very, very much more severe issues and complexities. And from investigations, it turned out she had PCOS, PCOS so polycystic ovary syndrome. And that that is about, I think, 10% of the population have the, these kind of genetic predispositions. And so for her, she was making internally a lot of um, endogenous oxalates. The oxalates then block your magnesium and they promote more acidity in the body um, that dries things up it's very much harder for people with those issues to maintain a good ph internal cellular ph balance and the same kind of water and fiber and vegetable um, dietary system didn't work so well for her because she developed terrible SIBO so that's in the um, small intestine bacterial uh, gut overgrowth so her motility was so slow that it didn't move on and then there was this fermentation process which mm. prom promoted a lot of gas and GERD and reflux and so you know when you go to the doctor and you don't know any better at the time the doctor says well they don't ask you actually what you're eating usually <laughs> they they give you medications like Nexium and other kind of medications that suppress stomach acid and mm -hmm. I found subsequently that's actually not so good for you. We need our stomach acid. And, you know, even though it might temporarily get rid of that acid reflux, it actually discourages then proper digestion of the food that you eat. And then you can't get the nutrients that you need. So well, what is your experience with this very complex end of the spectrum where you have multi-layers such as the PCOS OS, um, involved? Hmm. That's a very deep question. Actually, it goes goes pretty. It's it's very layered. We'll say, and so I'll start by saying this. Obviously, everyone has different dietary needs, different 
gut profiles, different bacterial profiles, different genetics, different DNA, different everything. And so we do have genetic predispositions, but it's interesting if we look into a lot of these indigenous tribes who live on the land, who eat whole food, who have never been exposed to the things we're exposed to, you know, I'm, I'm actually prepping up for a lecture I'm just I'm giving tomorrow on the holistic approach to inflammatory bowel disease. And one of the things I'm bringing up is work by the Environmental Working Group. And what they did, they published a study. It was done by Red Cross in 2004, where they cut 10 different umbilical cords over a series of many different studies have done this. And the meta-analysis showed there's an average of 267 different chemicals found inside these umbilical cords of babies who are just born. So we're talking petroleum products, rocket fuel, gasoline, byproducts from coal, and all kinds of stuff, petroleum products, benzene, and Mm -hmm. glyphosate, hidden pesticides. And so these babies at an early age are already getting a bastardization of their gut bacteria. And we know glyphosate is horrendous and destroys your basic bifidobacterium, lactobacillus. And so we're seeing a lot of this degradation of the early stages of the gut biome from birth, from breast milk, from all of that. But in a lot of these other countries, indigenous tribes who live off the land have never been exposed. They don't know what PCOS is. They don't see Alzheimer's the same. They don't see acne. They don't see these problems because they don't have the same level of toxification that we do. And so we have diseases they don't even know exist. And there's a reason that the degradation over time in those those tribes, they have elders. Here in modernized society, we have elderly. And it's very different being elderly or being an elder. One is sick and a burden on the system. The other one is a contributing member who's wise and can pass on and contribute to life and society as a whole. And so when we're talking about the wovenness of PCOS and other things, I think a lot of it starts very young, very early. And the the deck is basically stacked against us from the very beginning. And so I feel like in modern culture, modern time, our entire lives are just doing our best for prevention on a downhill race. Yes. So to some extent, the body is very clever, very brilliant in a way. It can find bypasses and alternatives and plan B and plan C. It can do workarounds because it wants you to survive. It's Mm -hmm. got that primary driving force to live. Um, And to some extent, we can even get used to a certain level of pollution Um, as long as your body can get rid of it. Um, But the problem, I think, these days is that we can't get rid of it entirely and it keeps mounting and building up. And so we're seeing more um, liver problems, the liver, you know, not being, the liver and gallbladder not being able to detox properly. Then Obesity. Obesity. Mm -hmm. And then it spills over also into the lymph system, which lets out under the skin. So there's all sorts of skin issues coming up and rashes and eczema, psoriasis. So we're seeing this also in um, in our magnesium business. A lot of customers are finding relief from magnesium cream um, to deal with those skin issues. But, you know, underlying that is always a connection with the detox organs, with with the liver or the kidneys not being able to process and eliminate what should be ditched from the body. Mm-hmm. And and then, of course, <clears throat> the other uh, alternative the body has is to store it away in those fat cell storage cabinets. And then, you know, that then attracts extra water and bloating because the body's always trying to dilute itself. It's trying to get the pH balance back. It's trying to, you know, do the best it's, it can. So these symptoms that we we see popping up 
shouldn't be suppressed really we should recognize that's a language that the body is trying to talk to us and tell us look this is this is my fail safe mechanism to help you live but it's not the ideal condition um, you need to do something about it. We need to listen to the pain, to the swelling, to the reflux. We need to look mm -hmm. at those things as language that should not be suppressed, but we've got to start doing something about it. Do you feel that too? Well, absolutely. It's undeniable. Our symptoms are the body screaming at us saying we have a problem, right? There's something going on. Help me, help me. And what we do is we take medications and medications and mask those symptoms. So what we've done is we put tape over the body's mouth and gone, look, we can't hear it screaming. It must be we fixed it. And it clearly doesn't work that way. We have to understand your, your symptoms are the body calling for help. It's a dysfunction or dysregulation, which leads to the development of a breakdown. It's like if, if Henry Ford on his assembly lines, just took six guys out of his station and said, go to work. Everything would collapse. The cars wouldn't get built. You have scrap all over the floor and waste products like we have showing up in our bodies through exactly what you talked about, through skin issues and acne and heart issues and inflammation in our joints. And even further with that, if we're producing more toxins, right? A lot of us, like you mentioned earlier, you talked about not being breastfed and we talked about the different diets and the junk in our systems and how it breaks down our bacteria if we have this dysregulation, this dysbiosis in our guts, that leads 93% of the leading causes of death in North America are directly connected to the gut, either fully responsible, I would argue in some cases, if not a large portion of response. We're talking things like heart disease, cancers, cerebrovascular disease, so things like strokes, respiratory issues, diabetes, Alzheimer's, kidney and liver damage, Parkinson's, influenza, septicemia, like so many things- and cancer. Cancer is a huge one. And it comes back to the gut and the toxins your bacterial imbalances yeah, are producing. I, I always say to people, cancer is just a pollution problem. Um, and so all of those different labels, let's call them, um, are like, to me, branches of the tree. And if you follow the branches back to the trunk, you always come back to the waste products, the pollution, overcoming the body's natural systems of recovery, life force, you know, getting the oxygen, the nutrition, producing the energy. So when when we get stifled or blocked, um, the energy levels go down. So what you see is chronic fatigue. People just can't, you know, get the energy up to do what they need to do. And, you know, coffee and those kind of things are like a very temporary lift, but they're really not the end um a goal because they're not again addressing the problem they're just like a, a crutches mm. but they don't address the problem of what's going on with the thyroid and, and the detox organs and so if you come back to a pollution problem it breeds pathogenic bacteria so that's so that's going back to the microbiome and what balance exists in that microbiome and that's determined isn't it by the environment in there the ph uh, the environment because the pathogenic bacteria produce a lot of acid waste, which then erode the lining of the gut and then you lose your mucosal lining because sort of becomes dry and inflamed. It could describe a little bit more about what goes on with this inflammatory mm. process in the mm. gut. Yeah, well, the gut sort of has a very regulated pH, like you mentioned, right? We're very acidic up top. The stomach, highly acidic. It's acidic as battery acid. And then as we get down, through the small intestine out to the large becomes more alkaline. But when that pH gets thrown off, that can certainly be an issue. Other things we often see 
like I talked about endotoxins, another fancy word if, you're, if your guests are or your listeners are kind of science nerds, we call them lipopolysaccharides or LPS. It's these endotoxins. But I explain it very simply. When you eat, you poop. When your bacteria eats, they poop. Now, are they pooping good things or pooping bad things? And that's really what we want to know. And so our dysbiotic bacteria, the ones that maybe shouldn't be there, or the opportunistic bacteria, the ones that overgrow when given the opportunity. And, and which the means- fungus. And the fungus, there's so much, it's a whole ecosystem. You have bacteria that outnumber your own cells 10 to one. Within them, we have viruses that outnumber the bacteria 35 to one, unknown number of fungi, and they integrate with every aspect of our being. I argue they're more important than our DNA. In fact, I met with Dr. Stephen Gundry. I don't know if you guys know him down in Australia, but I had a chance to meet with him a couple of weeks back. And what he was talking about was something like, quote me on the numbers later, but I think it was 92% of our entire lives and the outcome is based on our microbes and environmental, whereas just like something like seven or 8% was based on our very DNA. So they influence everything. And if we have these imbalance, they produce toxins. Those toxins, your small intestine is one cell thick before things enter and pass through into your bloodstream and your lymphatic system. The large intestine is only two. So imagine you have all these billions, trillions, they all park about a hundred trillion gut bacteria inside your digestive system. And if a large number of them aren't producing healthy things like fatty acids, like your butyrate, things that are great for the immune system and your gut lining, they're not producing vitamins and minerals and not detoxing, helping balance hormones. Instead, they're producing toxins that go through one cell and they're into your bloodstream, into your brain, into your lymphatics. They circulate around the entire body leading to inflammatory processes. They get to your joints and lead to arthritis. They get into your brain leading to mental health disorders. We see anxiety, schizophrenia, Alzheimer's, and all this stuff. anger issues as well. You remember when they used to call people liverish if they had an anger issue, if they had, mm. they were like angry types, they were liverish. And, and it does point to the liver not being able to detox because being overloaded, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In your liver, for an, the average adult, is filtering about four liters of blood per minute. And so it's constantly cycling things through. The challenge is your liver has a pecking order. It's got a hierarchy. First things first, it will try to get rid of toxins above all else, whether that's alcohol or junk in the system, poisons of any kind, it processes that first. But that prevents it from adequately producing bile, from adequately digesting food and metabolizing things, from adequately methylating, which I'm sure you've talked about with your audience before, the power of methylation, which is life itself. And so if your liver is full of toxins trying to clean this junk that's coming from your gut, everything else is going to start shutting down. And I argue again that the liver is as important, if not more important than every other organ next to your heart and your brain. We couldn't do anything. You can live without a kidney. You can't with your liver. No, garbage disposal system. 100%. We need waste disposal. Like imagine if New York City didn't have waste disposal, what a heap it would be. (laughs) So, so yes, you, you mentioned the, um, the, the self, the sulfation or the methylation uh, detox pathway. Some people have an issue uh, genetically where there's, um, there's a, like a, a fault or a Mm -hmm. genetic um, alteration in that system and they can't methylate very well. So, when it's to do with sulfur conversion, isn't it? A sulf- sulfur turns into sulfate and we need the sulfates a little bit like we use detergent in the sink to break up the fine particles and help the water uh, rinse rinse the dishes because we need the smaller particles. The, the sulfates 
help transport small particles in the bloodstream around the circulation system so that things don't get clogged or thick. And when that system goes wrong, um, the, the um, I think that's the precursor um, of the SIBO, isn't it? Because the sulfur system isn't working, so things get very slow in the digestive system, the motility is slow, and then you get this fermentation effect happening where a lot of uh, pathogenic bacteria and fungi can move in and make house and, and do their, their bad things, <laughs> which then affect the brain and all the other organs. So, mm -hmm. so it's amazing the far reaching implications of, you know, what happens in the gut and how that affects our whole being. Um, and, you know, we, we don't really realize, I think the full extent uh, of the effect of the gut on all our behaviors and, and you mentioned mental health as well, you know, and not being able to sleep and feeling agitated and having chronic anxiety issues. Well, all of those things can just be the body trying to tell you something's wrong in the gut. I have a gut mm -hmm. feeling. <laughs> yep. Well, it's interesting when you look at these processes, you mentioned genetics and you talked about that. We called it a SNP. That's the, the single nucleotide polymorphism for the, I just, I use big words. So you guys think I'm smart, but basically what that <laughs> means is all this genetic coding. Something is just a little bit different. There's a little change, a little SNP in that gene. And so 44% of the population has a particular SNP in this gene. You guys might've heard about it's become popular lately on social media called MTHFR. Yes. And that's right. That's the methylation gene. You know, if they have this SNP, 44% does, they can't adequately use folic acid. They can't convert and extract those raw materials and turn it to folate or methylfolate, which can be used by the body, which we need for methylation, which ends up driving up amino acids like methionine and homocysteine. But basically what this means is elevated homocysteine through chain of events drives up blood pressure. And so the reason I bring that up is there's so many conditions we see like, well, irritable bowel is genetic. It runs in my family. Arthritis runs in the family. High blood pressure runs in the family. Well, really, it's not this condition of high blood pressure you're medicated for. What it is, is that gene SNP, which means you can't use this amino acid or this vitamin. So you build up these amino acids, which lead to blood pressure. So instead of having a genetic issue you take medication for, let's look at substituting in these amino acids or raw materials your body can use. It will regulate itself. And I see this in a lot of cases of other gut issues is that not, yes, there's a lot of bacterial issues, but oftentimes, like you mentioned, it's a motility disorder. So you're not moving properly. Try some bitters, try some prokinetics. Maybe it's something else that's going on that's causing hyperfermentation. And maybe you're reactive more to gluten than most people. Everyone is reactive to gluten, but we have these imbalances we need to effectively fix or take the link out of. And under those conditions, your body will then heal itself. And sometimes there are toxic metals people have absorbed. So much. Um, so, such as mercury and lead. And these can block the the natural, uh, the mitochondria. And so as another way the body protects um, itself if there are heavy metals present and you, you can't get enough magnesium, for instance. We, so we need magnesium and chloride inside the cells. So the majority of ions inside the cells of potassium, magnesium, and chloride. And that's what helps the mitochondria make electrical energy. Um, if something goes wrong with getting those nutrients inside the cell, um, then the energy levels drop. Um, and so if you're eating good foods, but you still can't get that 
nutrition passing over the cell wall, then it's likely something is blocking it. There's a wall, there's some kind of obstruction that has to be removed, some kind of polluting influence. And once that's done, the, the insulin receptors become more sensitive and start working. More magnesium gets in and energy levels go up. So, so the mitochondria are, are protected because their metabolism produces ROS, so reactive oxygen species, as very acidic. It's, it's a free radical. It causes damage. So you need a lot of antioxidant support to neutralize that to protect the mitochondria. If there's not enough antioxidant support, mitochondria send a message and the cell wall in a sense shuts down or restricts the influx mm. of more nutrient, the influx of more insulin, the influx of more glucose, because it can't afford to make that extra energy because it can't take up any more. It can't absorb any more toxic residue and waste mm -hmm. product. So it's, it's a downward spiral. How do you get people out of this downward spiral of toxicity, what what would you do to help these complex cases? Well, being specifically in gut, I always start with the gut. And, and there is a problem with that. If you give me a hammer for long enough, eventually everything looks like a nail. And so what I can start to do is go, well, that's a gut issue. That's a gut issue. And maybe it's not, but I always do start in the gut. Because like I said, it's connected to 93% of the leading causes of disease or leading causes of death. And so we can link it back and say, okay, where are your toxins coming from? Because even if you have inhibited detox mechanisms, maybe you're lacking vitamins and nutrients and raw materials, your magnesiums, your other things, perfectly fine. We can supplement those very easily. Most of our food and soil is deficient anyways. I mean, there was a study from I think 2004, University of Texas, maybe 2009, but they talked about the depletion in nutrients in our soil, suspecting 29% minimum. Other people would say you need eight oranges today to get the same nutrients your great grandmother did out of one. And so we want to replace nutrients, number one, but number two, we have to figure out where the toxins are coming in from. Is it your gut bacteria? Are they producing this junk? If they are, how do we address it? How do we a, make a, a nicer environment for the good guys? Yeah, right? I mean, you wouldn't want to live in a house that's on fire. Your bacteria can't live in a gut that's inflamed. And so much the same way, we have to figure out what's inflaming it, what's driving this imbalance so that these bacteria are pooping those bad things. And you can't and just look... put more probiotics in that environment because no. they'll just die too, right? There are some probiotics that will come in and culture and move through, but most of them exactly that. They, they pass through maybe a day or two. They're doing some things. They produce some nice byproducts and they're out. But a lot of them, they don't work properly. They don't do what we want to do. They don't culture. So we have to A, take care of our own. B, constantly reintroduce bacteria if we're lacking it. But I'm even cautious about probiotics. We have the technology now. We can do GI mapping. We can test. Now, again, you have about upwards of 18 million different types of bacteria. And so we can only see 50, 80, give or take on a GI map, even the best of ones, maybe 100. But that's enough of an insight to say, well, should I take this probiotic or not? Because if I already have an abundance, you talked about SIBO or bacterial overgrowth. If I already have an abundance of these bacteria in my small or large intestine, and then I take them in a probiotic, I might be pouring gasoline on the fire. And so I always recommend testing. And for those who have so overgrowth. Target, target more accurately, not waste time. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly that. And it's interesting because it's not just antibiotics that take down bacteria. If you have overgrowth, bacteria take down bacteria. There's lots of work by Dr. William Davis using lactobacillus reutery. And they use that in different strains where they can actually use that to combat SIBO. 
In other instances, if I get women who have yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis or even getting UTIs from detox protocols, I'll have them put a tampon with coconut oil. And there's one particular brand from Metagenics they have, but it's two, two bacteria, Lactobacillus reuteri and Rhamnosus, which are both vaginally native. And you take that, insert, leave overnight, nine and a half out of 10, the UTI is gone in the morning, two days oh. in a row, change it like regular tampon, right? You don't want to get toxic shock, but that will take care of it because the bacteria combat the bacteria. You don't need antibiotics for UTIs and yeast infections. It's all about bacteria. Wow. That, that is, um, that's massive. That's a big problem out there. Uh, um, yeah. I am so fascinated by this whole topic. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. So mm. I'd love you to just give a quick summary and where can people reach you if they want to find out more? Because I do um, think that we should probably have another interview down the track and expand on this further. But mm -hmm. let's just finish for now with with your summary. Sure. Yeah, I'd I love to come back and talk about this more. There's always more we can explore. Yeah. As a wrap up for everything we're talking about so far, to me, again, with my hammer and nail, the gut is the center of life. It's the center of everything. We are born with the microbes. We're covered. When we're born vaginally, you're covered and inoculated. When you get breastfed the first three days, thick turf of bacteria and colostrum, then breastfed for the next six to 12 months, more bacteria. And it grows like a meadow. Early onset of damage, you know, antibiotics as a child or not eating good quality foods, you take that brand new metal that's trying to grow into a forest, you burn it down, might not grow back the same. So you mm -hmm. want to feed and colonize and treat our bacteria properly. Second to that, we need to understand what makes our gut healthy because an unhealthy gut, again, diabetes, depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's, kidney, liver disease, and damage, and everything you can possibly name in some ways connected to the gut. We talked about MS, like all these degenerative diseases. So take care of your gut, work on proper foods, balance out the nutrients you do or do not have, and your body, given those detox protocols, good bacteria will take care of itself and clean itself out and do everything it's supposed to do. We overcomplicate health yep. by trying to outsmart our bodies. We, we will never catch up need to free up the roadblocks so the body can do its thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if anybody wants to hear more about it, I have nothing to sell, but only everything to give. I have a podcast called reversible that's reverse able, the ultimate gut health podcast. And I've been lucky enough to interview some of the world's most famous doctors and professionals who have been around twice as long as I've even been alive. They've been on TV longer than I've been alive and educating the world. Um, some really incredible guests and even famous personalities talking about health and the role it has in their lives, like Lisa Bill Yu of uh, Women of Impact and Impact Theory, who own Quest Nutrition. We've had on some really amazing Stephen Gundry, William Lee, William Davis, Mindy Pels, all kinds of amazing guests. And they just share their two cents on the role the gut has to play in our overall health. And what's your website? That's reversible, reverse able, A-B-L-E, pod.com. Reversiblepod.com reversiblepod.com oh. anyway we'll put it underneath the um the video link so yeah if there's can... anything they want there of yeah. course as well sandy if they go to reversiblepod.com forward slash free there's tons of free stuff i put out there that people can access anytime it's just how to deal with acid reflux how to deal with ibsc or d or ibd fatty liver it's all there for free we just want to make the world a better place we need to do this for ourselves it's very empowering you know if you can care and look after yourself and your family the less you need, you know, drugs and surgery and all that. I mean, you know, if you're in a car accident, it's very helpful mm -hmm. to, to treat something acute. You would know that as paramedic, but, 
But for long term, you know, just living well and preventing disease, I think you can't go past these holistic systems and gut health and good nutrition and internal hygiene. Mm. Um, it all comes down to taking out the garbage properly and putting the good nutrients back in, right? Keep your house in order. Western medicine is fantastic. They are phenomenal at emergencies and surgeries, but they do a terrible, negligible job. What I would argue is a crime against humanity in the way they handle chronic inflammatory conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you very much. And I really look forward to um, speaking with you again in the future. It's been a pleasure, Sandy. I look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you liked this conversation and will share it with others. Hear more from Body Charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on blogs, podcasts, videos and magnesium special offers at electromagnesium.com.au. Relax, recharge and recover.